Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And you're listening to the ever-lovely Church Planner Podcast. Again. And it's a mistake that you only make once, but thank you for coming back twice. Hey, fool you once, shame on you. <laughs> fool you twice, shame on you again. <laughs> so anyway, guys, we have a, a, a little bit of a different podcast today. We've got a, uh, a man who... Knows me from my childhood, and by childhood oh. I mean college years. Because let's face it, I, I never was, you know, didn't know that. I, I never grew up. I was still a child in college. That I and uh, in fact, we're, we were on RA staff together, weren't we, Ryan? Or was it at different times? No, we were. Yeah, we were together. Yeah. yeah. Can you yeah. believe I was an RA at Biola University of all places? What's RA? Resident assistant, baby. I was in charge of my floor. What? Oh, you totally Eddie Haskell that. Dude, I remember like... Okay, Hello, this, Dean. It's lovely to see you today, Dean. Might I say you're looking marvelous, Dean? This this one particular night, we were throwing a tennis ball down the hall, right? Just like... I, I don't know what we were thinking. We had all of the guys on one side, which had a wall behind him, and one guy on the other side, which had a window behind him. And we would just like try and beam the ball back and forth as fast as, or as hard as we could. And finally, you know, it gets past the guy, the single guy, and goes right through the window. Like, it was a perfect round hole in the window. I'm the RA, right? You're not supposed to allow that kind of stuff. So I go running in my room because I had no uh, shoes on. I put on my uh, flip-flops, and I come out, and I go, what did you guys do? You know, like. <laughs> but, oh, man. Uh, that is so good. I, I, had, I had good times in college. But anyway, Ryan Lowe is our guest. Uh, Ryan, tell us again, what is the uh, church that you pastor? 
I'm pastor of Sunland Neighborhood Church out in Los Angeles, California. Nice, nice. So you're living in LA County right now. Yes, we are. So your quarantine is worse than mine in Orange County. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty intense. (laughs) They they keep extending it there in uh, in LA County and. My wife works in Lakewood, and Lakewood just announced that they're extending theirs an extra 60 days. So she's like, I'm not going back to work until September now. And I'm like, sweet. We make more money off of unemployment. Stay off work. Stay off work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're. I think it was uh, yesterday I sat down to drive into the to church just to do something, to an errand. And so I'm sitting down in, in behind the wheel, and I'm thinking to myself, dude, I haven't been in my car for like two days. So I just been stuck in my house, you know. So it's been strange. It's been a been a really weird time. The last time I filled up my car with gas was right before the lockdown happened. So <laughs> are you serious? Yeah, I mean, I literally, wow. I, I haven't filled up since like what was that? Uh, March fourteenth, thirteenth is when I filled up, and then like the next day we went into lockdown. So that's it's been it's been crazy. Yeah, wow. but. Uh, Anyway, so the reason why I asked Ryan to come on is um, Ryan's a pastor, and he was writing these great, fantastic posts on Facebook. And of course, we all know that I am definitely the uh, the high mark when it comes to intelligent posts on Facebook. As uh, as everybody who's seen my posts know, I'm pretty much just the uh, the ruler of memes. But anyway. <laughs> The keeper of memes all yeah. rise. And, and, and any fights that I can possibly start on Facebook as I've lost absolutely all, all you know, ability to control myself during this, this quarantine. Yes. But uh, in your defense, you were left unsupervised on Facebook for a while. <laughs> well, yeah, I certainly have been. So anyway, uh, the, the, uh, the reason I wanted to have Ryan on is these posts that he was sharing about, he was sharing about his own struggles and uh, his experience suffering from anxiety and having panic attacks and things of that nature. And over the years, I've known people who've had panic attacks. I don't know that I've really known someone who's suffered from anxiety, at least the way that you described it, Ryan. And, um, and I was looking at that going, first of all, I know a lot of our, our church planners, our pastors uh, who've reached out to us over the years, um, suffer from a lot of different issues. And, and one of the things that Peyton and I have said so many times is that being a pastor is a very lonely job because there's not a lot of people who you can reach out to. There's not a lot of people who um, you can share certain things with. I mean, you know, one of the things that we started, Ryan, a few years ago that we don't do right now was uh, called the Bivo Inner Circle for Bivocational Pastors. And one of the, the big things that we found with the group <clears throat> was the thing that they really wanted the most was like, I teach people, here's how you make money, right? Cause I, that's my strength. I know how to make money. I know how to start your own business, how to get more clients, that kind of a thing. What they really needed was a community of other like-minded people that they could share their problems with. Cause they couldn't share them like with anybody in their church. Uh, they couldn't share them a lot of times with other staff members. Cause sometimes their problem was with another staff member. And it's like, you know, <laughs> I can't, I can't talk to him about, you know, there's only one other person on staff and Hey, I got a real problem with him. And you know, it's of course the guy you're sharing that with. It doesn't, doesn't work that well. And, um, and so I was reading your post going, man, this is something that I think would help uh, a lot of our guys uh, for them to hear someone else who's gone through this. I mean, I know a lot of our pastors who've reached out to me 
who've suffered from um, depression, uh, bipolar, um, all kinds of different stuff. And, uh, and, you know, it's just, there's not a lot of people who they can talk to. And I think Peyton and I are two of the rare guys out there who are like, look, man, we don't hold anything over your head. We don't, I mean, that's a, that's an issue that you got to deal with and we're here to help you any way we can. And we're not here to judge you or make you feel like crap. So I, I'm, I'm grateful that you're willing to come on and, uh, and share this with us. And before we get into that, one of the first questions that we always like to start out with when we uh, do an interview with someone is tell everyone real quick, if you can, your story of how you came to faith and then what caused you in your case to become a pastor. Yeah. So, um, well, I, my parents took me to church when I was a kid. And so I, I grew up around the church and probably uh, around the age of 14, I was at a high school winter camp and um, a guy was up there, you know, preaching hellfire and brimstone. And I was like, okay, I need to, I need to make this business arrangement with God so that way I can go, go to heaven, you know? So I walk forward and pray and, and then, um, and then my thought was, you know, after that, I'm just going to return to my life as normal. So God can have my eternity and I can, um, I can have my, uh, the rest of my life. And obviously the Lord had different ideas. And so began to, began me on a different course and a different path. And, um, but I was in college and I was studying to be a teacher and I uh, was going to be a teacher and a coach. And, and, but at the same time, if you remember people, we were at Biola, they would kind of require you to do a community service. And, uh, so I had to do these community services and basically it was through my church. I, so, I managed to find a way out of everything, including the three time a week chapel. I'm just going to say, you know, you got to have now, mad skills. <laughs> now the RA makes sense. That was Pete's community service requirement right <laughs> yeah, there, exactly. baby. And cleaning up broken windows, you know, so. <laughs> I didn't clean it up. No, no. I was there to punish those that, that were responsible. You just stood around and practice indignation. And dirty, you know, who did this and did that for a while. And then someone else came and cleaned it up. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I was in college and, um, and was working as at, in youth ministry and just began to feel like, man, this is where the Lord's calling me to be. And so I've been in ministry on and off for different types of ministries for the last uh, 30 years, about 30 years. And um, so maybe more like 27, 28. But yeah, so I've, I've done youth ministry, worship ministry. I, I worked at Biola as a resident director. So I was like the oh. boss of Pete uh, for about 10 years. What dorm? Hart Hall. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I actually had a resident assistant. It was just like you. <laughs> so a good quality person, someone who is proud to be a resident assistant, no doubt. Yeah. I did his wedding. Um, he, they have two kids. He's a lawyer now. <laughs> So, so he was the smart version of Pete. I got you. All right. That's cool. Hey, one of the things too, that I read on your, your Facebook that I thought was really interesting. Um, you were sharing about, you were a youth pastor and you really were questioning your own faith, questioning Christianity. And the way you wrote it on Facebook was something along the lines of, you know, is this Jesus thing really real? All while you're still a youth pastor at the same time. And then you found uh, Ravi, Oh, what's his last name? Zachariah. How does he say his last name? Yeah, yeah, it is Zacharias. Yeah. And, and a lot of those things really made sense to you because you were like, man, you know, 
maybe as a Christian, I'm just supposed to forget all the tough questions and, and not ask them, you know, because I'm just supposed to take it all on faith and that, that sort of a thing. Tell us a little bit about that journey of just that questioning the whole Christianity and, and you know, is this real, that kind of a thing. Yeah, I, you know, for me, I think um, I'm a pretty skeptical person naturally. And so I, I, I definitely think I'm the kind of person who could easily fall for conspiracy theories. Um, but then at the same time, I'm also someone who would, would look at it and go, no, I don't think so. You know, like I have like a, a deep skepticism towards people. And that makes me susceptible to conspiracy theories. But then at the same time, I have a very skeptical side towards I don't believe much of anything. I'm a pretty kind of a difficult sell in that sense. And so I think with with Christianity, you know, I grew up in the church. And so there was this sense of like, um, this is who I am. This is my identity. And so as I was growing up and, you know, I grew up in a Baptist church. And so there was a lot of I felt like there was just a lot of messages that would kind of come through my upbringing that were just kind of like, Hey, listen, faith is faith is something you have to have. And um, in spite of all the overwhelming evidence against what you believe, you know, (laughs) and then growing up in a, you know, the world that I grew up in, which was basically, you know, very, a lot of skepticism all around me and I'm a natural skeptical person too. And so it, it, I think as time went on, it, it grew harder and harder for me to hold um, this position of Christianity while I was um, inside my mind, there's just more and more doubts that were building up. And then there's this vo- voice of saying, hey, you, you don't really have a right to question God. You just, you know, just trust, just faith, just have faith, you know? So I think that that was um, probably something for me that really hit me in college. And there were several books that really came my way and um, that started helping and then really started hitting me after college. Like when I left and uh, around the same time I started having a, a, I started dealing with sexual addiction. And, um, and so just a lot of my woundedness as a, as a young man and a lot of my, uh, everything just seemed to come together in a perfect storm at that point. There was doubt, there was addiction, there was, and at the same time, I'm a youth pastor, you know? So, so I'm dealing with all of that stuff and um, yeah, Ravi Zacharias's work just really came in and was a huge ministry to me uh, because I didn't really realize that there was a really, a great deal of rational defense for the Christian faith. And so to me, that was, it was just this huge moment of discovery, you know, to sit there and just go, Lord, man, this, wow, this is awesome. You know, I can actually, wow, there actually is a problem to, or uh, an answer to the question of evil and suffering in the world. You know, I don't have to just sit there and go, well, God, you know, well, I don't know. I don't have an answer, but I just believe, you know, and that it was, it just was, it was so comforting to my soul, you know, and I often say nowadays apologetics to me isn't so much about defending the faith as it is, um, although it is, but it, it really, for me, it creates a deeper worship of God because I, I find that I'm just more in awe of him. Like when I look at science and I look at philosophy and, and those things, and Ravi Zacharias is a huge part of that journey for me, just huge. Mm. 
You know, just uh, resonating with that, um, I think it's why people look at um, C.S. Lewis and they hear someone intelligently communicating about something that, you know, really at, at, at a certain stage, everybody has to make a leap of faith. And I think what um, people that are secularists try to present is that they themselves have not made a leap of faith that somehow rationality leads them to the faith that the world created itself. And that is a faith because as you cannot prove Christianity to be true, you cannot prove uh, the secularist position to be true by rationality. Um, And so, you know, everybody has to make that leap of faith. I mean, I think Christians, if we're honest, we look at the historical claims, we look at the evidence, you still have to make a leap of faith. You still have to interpret that evidence and and make that leap of faith. So no one could ever be rationalized into it. But to hear a rational appeal, um, Christianity is rational. My my best friend um, from childhood, was he went on to become a reformed epistemologist. And for those of you that don't know what epistemology is, it's the study of philosophy, um, which the the discipline is, how do you know what you know? Right? Like like the validity of belief systems. And he he actually lost his faith at a certain point um, where he he stopped believing in God. And he went into epistemology thinking, you know, I'll I'll go in and I'll believe in God. Um, by becoming a reformer, it'll help me because I'm really struggling with my faith. Turns out, like so many people, his wandering away or his crisis of faith was more emotional than rational. Mm-hmm. And so, the, the in, in a way, he he kind of came to the point where it didn't prove it for me. But I remember when he was, he's now since like come back and, you know, full speed ahead going for the Lord. But his You froze. I froze? You're back. You're back. What? You froze. I didn't freeze. You froze. <laughs> Dang it. How much did you lose of what I said? No, no, it's just like the last last we'll couple of ahead. Yeah. It was, it was like I broke down. I cried. It was beautiful. I can't reproduce that moment. <laughs> um, so, so I remember him looking at me at one stage and just saying, you know, I may not believe Christianity, but I will tell you in every belief system out there, it is literally the most rational belief system on the planet. And that was, that was his, you know, and he had studied under um, Alvin Plantinga's uh, protege. Like he had studied under some of the big boys, you know, he was at Purdue, Notre Dame, and he had, he had been there. He had, he'd done some, some big research and, um, but, but I'll never forget that him saying in all honesty, look, I don't believe, but I'll tell you out of all the belief systems out there, Christianity is the most rational belief system. It's the most valid from a rational, rationalistic, you know, mm-hmm. if you're just looking at, at logics and logic and critical logics, like mathematics, logic and critical thinking, that's yeah. it. Yeah. So Ryan, tell us a little bit about, for those who don't understand what anxiety is, um, what is it? When did it start for you? Is it something you had as a kid? Is it something that developed later in life? I mean, tell us what it, the 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 problem is, so to speak. What, what is it? And then we'll we'll start going from there. Yeah. Well, um, I guess I can speak from my experience as far as anxiety is concerned, because I think it shows up differently for some folks than it um, does for me. But um, I guess. 
it's interesting because I was just thinking about this, even talking about college, how I think even it was showing up back then, you mm. know, and for me, anxiety is this, just this sense. Don't, of, don't, don't tell me it was me. Don't tell me I'm the one who gave you anxiety. <laughs> no, no, you didn't. Okay. Um, All right. You, you're the one that gave me anxiety. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think it was, it was showing up for me back then. Anxiety, I think for me is a little bit of a, uh, this, this sense that something is wrong, Mm. you know, something is, and something is going to go wrong. Something is wrong. And, um, you know, there's a lot of things that are attached to that in the sense of like, I've got to fix that and I've got, no one's going to help me. You have a lot of, for me, anxiety shows up in a lot of, uh, a flood of thoughts and a a really um, just a, a sense of dread and uh, a nervousness and a real deep sense of um, something is wrong with me and something is wrong with the world. Something is um, something's going to go wrong. And uh, so I think even back then when I was, um, when I was a youth pastor and I was starting to get into sexual addiction stuff, especially pornography and, um, and masturbation. And so I was starting to get really deep into that stuff. And I think for me, as that stuff was um, coming into my life, it was most of it was a response to the anxiety that I was experiencing. And um, so, but it just took years to really kind of begin to weed through all of that and then over the last five years, the anxiety has really hit hard. You know, pornography is not a part of my life anymore. And uh, that's not to say it isn't a temptation, but it's not really, it's not a part of my life. And um, so, you know, uh, <laughs> what I Can I pause do, you for a second there? Yeah. And, and just highlight that, that I think that's really important, Ryan, that um, pornography is not a part of my life. It, it doesn't have to be a part of your life. And I think that in today's culture and society, it's funny because pornography and anxiety go hand in hand. Um, the more it's like drugs, the more drugs you do, the more your anxiety gets worse, right? You did, you yeah. take it to deal with the anxiety and you come off that drug. It's where it's the same with pornography. The more pornography that you dive into, the worse the anxiety gets and you do the pornography to deal with the anxiety. Um, but I, I just, I just want to highlight that because I don't think we hear that enough, Ryan, somebody, somebody saying, yeah, it was a thing. And it's not anymore. And I, I just think people need to hear that that is possible, that freedom from pornography is, is real. And, and it can be the greater reality, even for someone just completely immersed in it right now. So thanks for sharing that, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, it's, it's uh, part of, a huge part of me getting out of and starting to get some victory with pornography was the fact that the spirit really intervened and said, you need to start telling people. And uh, the first people he told me to tell were actually some of my students in my youth group, which was really, I'm not sure I would advise that to people, but in my situation, in my specific situation, that was what God had led me to do. And so I told them and we had this big moment of uh, everybody confessing. It was like a big confessorama as a result of that. And from there, we, you know, this was like, I don't even know, 20 something years ago we started, you know, doing an accountability group. And I mean, those things have been around forever, but back then for us, it was like, we didn't really know. We're just like, maybe we should meet and kind of talk about our, what's going on. And, 
you know? And so, and then for me, it was just like, I need to step, I want to know what's happening with me. And that's like a big question that's been true for me ever since. It's just like, Lord, I want to know what the heck is going on with me. Help me understand my own heart, search my heart, you know? And so, so I guess to answer your original question, Pete, I, I think anxiety is just this feeling for me, the way it shows up is this feeling of dread, this feeling of something is wrong. I am wrong. I have to fix it. No one's going to help me. And, um, and you know, if things aren't turning out the way I want them to, that's my fault, you know, and it's something that I did. It's, um, and then the physical symptoms for me are, uh, just this general feeling of over being uh, of dread and also of um, I can't breathe. And so that's, that's the one that's really terrifying is um, I feel like I can't get a satisfying breath. I feel like my step, my chest is stuffed with cotton. Mm. And so it's like, I'm trying to breathe and, you know, and I just can't get that deep satisfying breath. And, um, or, you know, you get dizzy uh, that hit me when I was preaching um, <laughs> you know, I thought I was going to faint. It was just terrifying, you know, and everybody in the church just kind of sat there <laughs> looking at me like going, is he going to faint? You know, and, and I'm thinking to myself, if I lean back too far, my head's going to fall off my shoulders. I'm going to faint. I'm going to collapse right here in front of everybody. And then I'm, and so the chairman of my elder board, he's thinking, Ryan, just sit down, just sit down on the steps, you know, and get, and I'm thinking if I sit down, I'm going to faint. So I'm just holding onto the pulpit for dear life. And gutting it through the sermon, you know, so anxiety just shows up and, and um, it can be quite overwhelming and quite, especially those panic attacks. It just, they're really terrible. So I remember reading one of your first, Peyton, he's putting, putting out on Facebook, like these really long, uh, I would call them dissertation level because, you know, I'm not really much of a reader. I think we could all pretty much assume and, uh, you know, they, they have more than three paragraphs. So there, there are these longer posts on Facebook. 500 word blogs, Pete. Pretty, pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and one of the, one of the first ones that I read, I don't remember if it was the actual first one or not, but to me, it really demonstrated his, his willingness to be vulnerable. And Ryan, you talked about one of your big fears being that of death. And you're like, I'm, I'm totally scared of death and I'm a pastor and I'm not supposed to be scared of death. And it was, it was amazing to me because I'm reading this because one, I'm thinking, I can't believe you had the guts to share that. Cause I don't know really any pastor who'd be willing to share that. Cause that's like, like you said, I mean, as a pastor, most people be like, you can't be afraid of death. I mean, you know, we've been told we've been given victory over death and blah, 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 all this other. Right. And I'm also reading it thinking um, at the same time, for me, it's actually a fear that I literally can't relate to the idea of being afraid of death. To me, what is way scarier is being mangled and living, right? Rather than, you know, dying. Because I almost look at it and go, well, you know, worst case scenario, I go to hell. That sucks. Uh, best case scenario, I go to heaven. But what if the whole thing is not true and it's just nothingness? Well, I can deal with nothingness. You know, the idea of death being, okay, well, it's all over. I could actually deal with that easier than, you know, obviously going to hell, which everything you read in the Bible, it doesn't sound like a good place to be. It's not the party. We all like to make it sound like it is. And, um, but anyway, so 
tell us a little bit about some of these different struggles that you have, uh, like, you know, the fear of death. And like, are you able to even talk to anyone about that other than now you've put it out on Facebook? So, you know, for everybody, <laughs> for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think, um, I think one of the things that's been um, be, that became apparent to me as time went on, and I and I wanted to, I think I wanted to write about this for people, is that especially for those of us who grew up in the church, sometimes there's this sense of there's certain things you really cannot admit. You know, you're not really allowed to admit, and I, I kind of want to free people up to admit that. You know, um, if a pastor can say, "Hey, I'm." At times, I'm scared to death. Like, that's really a big, uh, you know, we're all in the uh, middle of our life. You know, I'm, I'm 40. I just turned 46. So the middle of my life is probably over. I'm probably past it by now, especially judging by the way I eat. You know, I'm probably towards the last quarter of my life. <laughs> so, but, you know, when, when I, I don't know, for some reason over this last five years, there's just been this sense in me of my mortality and this sense of like, yeah, my body is not what it used to be and I am going to die. And, um, and that thought kind of frightens me, you mm -hmm. know, and it's forced me to kind of look at what frightens me about it. Cause you're right. Like if, if there's no God and I've really thought about this, if, if he's not there and then we won't, I won't know it. I won't wake up 150,000 years from now and go, Oh man, like, dude, I was wrong, you know? And oh, the regret, the regret, the regret. Like I won't, you know, I just, I won't, I won't know he's not there. I won't, I won't care. I won't, you know, so it, there's a sense of like, yeah, in that case, that's, that's true. But yet I, for some reason, there's this fear. And um, there's this movie I saw uh, a long time ago and it's called the four feathers. And in the movie, you know, the guy says, I've, I've lost everything and yet I'm still afraid. And then his friend says, fear always remains. Mm. And it, it, it hit me. It was like, yeah, I mean, that's really, that's really true for me. I, I am afraid, you know, I had my youth pastor, you know, recently, cause we've had so many pastors, you know, who have taken their lives because of, you know, being depressed and, and things like that. And, and I had my youth pastor and he was like, I'm really worried for you, pastor Ryan. Um, are, you know, have you thought of taking your life, you know, and he's asked me that. And I said, you know, I don't ever want to say that I'm above or beyond that possibility of happening in my life. You know, I don't ever want to say that that's something that I couldn't land there, but that's really not true for me right now. I'm so afraid of dying. You know, death is not something I want to happen. And uh, in my worst moments with anxiety, I feel like I'm dying. Mm. You know, and so there's this sense of like, I'm dying, I'm dying, I'm dying. I'm going to leave my kids here without a dad. I'm going to, you know, all these things that I'm starting to wrestle with. And um, my wife's going to have to get remarried, you know, and all that. <laughs> I don't want that, you know. And uh, so I think that um, my wife would never find a guy as good as me. So I'm totally safe. <laughs> oh, dude, she's got it so made. No doubt. <laughs> I think that about podcasting. I will never find a podcast host like Pete Mitchell. <laughs> she should thank you. You know, like she should come in and she really should. She really like should. I thank you, Pete. I mean, she should take it. Take thank a you number. for choosing me. That's yes. you know, that's what I want to hear from her. You know, you know, I remember Pete once saying that about the Lord that when God picked him, he got a great deal. <laughs> oh and uh, that that was, you know, 
Yes. Many, many Pharisees have thought that over the years, you know, that same thought, great men, great men of God have thought. Sorry, we, we didn't mean to totally derail you <laughs> there, Ryan. This is what oh, we do. Fun. Welcome to the podcast. That's and all fun. you guys listening again, suckers. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think I took a, I've taken a lot of comfort from Jesus in the garden, mm. you know, from him going, Hey, Lord, father, if there's any way out of this, if there's any other way to do this, can, can you take this cup from me? You know, I mean, he's moving to the cross in total obedience and in total love. But there's this sense of watching that going, I think the dude in that moment doesn't entirely want to die. You know, it's like there's a sense of I don't want to be tortured and mangled and die, you know. Mm-hmm. And as I'm not prancing through a field of daisies going, oh, good, lucky for me, lucky me, I get to die. You know, it's like, so I think for me, it, it took a lot of, it's, it's taken a for me, it's felt a lot of uh, comfort in that uh, sense of like, yeah, I, I, I don't have to hide some of these realities of me because I'm pretty sure we're, we're all there. And that's part of the faith journey is sitting there going, yeah, Lord, I am afraid of that. And you still love me in the middle of that, you know? And um, I believe, help my unbelief. I, you know, I, I am scared. I, I am Peter you know, who's protecting his own skin on the night that, you know, Jesus is betrayed and a little girl is saying, hey, weren't you with Jesus? And Peter's like cussing and saying, no, I wasn't, you know, it's like, I'm like him, you know, right. and, and I'm human. And I I just, I don't want, I, I want people to, uh, around me to kind of get a sense of the fact that we're human and that's okay to be human. And, um, we live out being human in our journey as Christians, you know, like that, that's part of it. I got to think that that's kind of the key though, right? We, we somehow in Christianity, we've backed ourselves into a corner where we feel that in order to be used of God, you must be um, almost super holy. Now, don't get me wrong. I do think there are scriptures that say, Hey, cleanse yourself of the ladder. Like, you know, getting free from porn where Paul says, cleanse yourself. So you're useful for every good work, but nowhere does the Bible say um, that you can't be human. In fact, it kind of emphasizes the opposite. So like Paul, he can't really get going until he has that thorn in the flesh, like until he's kind of broken, right? Like wouldn't, wouldn't you say we're a lot like horses where, God has to break us. You know, we're, we're, I got all this figured out and I'm this and I'm all that. And kind of like Peter, Peter gets broken like a horse and then he's super useful when he understands his own humanity. I, I always trip out that it's Peter, that, that the guy who screwed up more than anyone besides Judas, who was dead, Peter, I mean, you know, you couldn't screw, you couldn't screw up any, any worse than Judas, but you know, like I said, he was dead. But the one that was living that no one had screwed up like Peter, um, he is the one that gets to stand up at Pentecost yeah. and preach. And it, and it, you kind of think, well, what about John? You know, like Peter did, what about him? <laughs> you know, <laughs> the reality is, is that God's like, no, I, I did a work in you. I showed you who you were. So that, and, and Paul says that, didn't he? That the humanity, my own humanity, you know, I, I, I will, I will boast in my weakness. Now I know who I am. I know my weakness. And this is Paul. And I don't think this gets emphasized or preached enough. 
that we can be super, super, super weak and that the power of the Holy Spirit, a treasure in a jar of clay, the, the one who is strong when I am weak, that that makes it okay, that the Holy Spirit himself makes it okay for me to be afraid. Like Paul says, you know, pray for me that I'd have boldness. But he's saying, I, I don't need this to muster up my own courage. I can be Paul and be afraid. But if you pray for me, I know the Spirit will give me boldness in spite of my fear. You know, like John Wayne said, courage is being afraid, but turning up anyways. And I think that's where Paul brought himself to a lot. And so, uh, yeah, I don't think we hear that enough, Ryan, that that ability to be human. And that's the theme I'm hearing when you talk to your kids. Um, how do you, for the person listening, they're, they're obviously thinking, well, you know, that's cool. Like you could do it in your youth group, but I definitely couldn't do that with my church. Cause if I, if I show my underbelly, man, they're just going to turn on me and tear me to pieces as a, as a spiritual leader. What's been your experience with that? Yeah. Well, I, I've been a senior pastor for the last 10 years. And I'd tell you that one of the things that I hear from my people is how much they appreciate the fact that I'm real, you know, like we'll, we'll, you know, we're studying a scripture. This past Sunday, we studied a scripture. Uh, we've been talking about God's will, like knowing God's will in your life. And I've been using uh, material from a book that I've read. And, you know, obviously you, you mentioned one of the verses, you know, this is God's will of your life. You're saying for your life, your sanctification, that is you avoid sexual immorality, right? And so, you know, just talking about one, this is a difficult verse for us to wrestle with as Americans, because this is a country that we live in that venerates and worships sex. And so, um, this is hard. And this has been a hard part of my journey, you know, and um, I had a lady ask, uh, talk to me afterwards. Uh, She was running slides for us. And she basically just said, I kept thinking to myself, Ryan, don't go too far. Sometimes you go... (laughs) (laughs) too far. And so I tend to err on the side of probably full disclosure where some people would say that may not be, you know, uh, the wisest choice. But for me, it's just kind of like, like you said, I'm, and I've said this to my church folks, I know that sometimes you don't want to hear that your pastor struggles with a certain passage, you know, of scripture. You don't want to hear that your pastor's dealing with this, but the reality is, is I would rather boast in my weaknesses and so you can, you know, you don't need to look at me as someone who is on the same level as Jesus. You cannot look at me that way. You know, Jesus is, is I'm a man just like, I'm a human just like you guys. And, um, you know, so, so I've been pretty open. And I think my people, in, they appreciate that. And, I mean, I don't go into every detail. But I've been open about addiction. Um, I've been open about uh, my anxiety. Obviously, my folks have seen me living this anxiety right in front of them as I'm nearly fainting in the pulpit. And, um, and I had Bell's palsy. And that's pretty much a stress and anxiety illness. And uh, so my folks uh, at Sunland um, have really lived with me through that. And so there's, I think, um, I, I'm just kind of a person who's, I'm like, look, this is, this is how I am. And I, I'm a kind of person who's like, this is my story. I don't, you can, uh, you know, if you, if you, if you don't like me telling my story, then there's maybe another pastor you can go listen to, you know? Right. And so that's kind of, uh, that's kind of the picture of, of where I'm at. And my people, I think have been 
pretty gen- generally appreciative about that. And they, they feel like, yeah, Ryan's, he's a normal person, you know, who, who loves Jesus and, and is preaching the scriptures and teaching the scriptures. So, you know, l- let me ask you this. I know we're running out of time and, and Peyton just had to, to leave. Um, what, as you've been struggling with this, how did you start that I don't want to say path to recovery because it's not really like you recover from it because you're going to be dealing with it. How did you broach it with your, your wife, your family? You know, I, I know you've gone to see a doctor for it because you've done posts about medication and things like that. How did that journey start? Or was it just something that your wife always knew about, knew you always suffered from anxiety and things like that? Or, you know, how, how did it, how did the recovery, how did, and again, I don't like using the word recovery because I don't think it's really, you know, the right term for this, but just that journey of getting a handle on this. Yeah. And to be honest with you, I would say that I didn't start it. God did because mm-hmm. um, I had a massive, I, I think for me, I've been, I'm a, I'm a, a warrior and I push and I push and I push and I fight and I fight and I don't give up and I don't give in, you know, that's just kind of me. And I think there's a lot of pastors like me, you know, we're going to fix this. We're going to do this. We're going to lead the way. And, um, and then I had a panic attack in Ralph's. I had, I had just done a kickboxing routine in my garage, you know, one of those video workouts. And um, I had felt a little off during the routine and my mind started running, you know, maybe there's something wrong with you, which is kind of a normal anxiety kind of motif for me, but I didn't realize that. And so then I went to the store to pick up some charcoal because we were going to barbecue that night and I was going to pick up my son. I was going to take him to the park. And so he could ride his, his scooter and I could just sit there and read and have a nice relaxing afternoon. And, um, and, I'm at the store and my mind is just going crazy. And I had this massive a panic attack and I couldn't breathe. I thought I was having a heart attack. I ended up sitting at the front of the store, my whole body going numb. Mm-hmm. And um, all I could feel is the pounding of my heart. And so in my mind, all I'm thinking is, is that that pounding at any moment is going to stop, you know, and I'm, this is me. I'm going to die. My, my heart, I'm having a heart attack right here in Ralph's, you know? And so, um, that was, it was terrifying. It was absolutely the most terrifying experience of my life. And, uh, I ended up going to the hospital and so my wife is sitting there and they come in and they're like, Mr. Lowe, you had a panic attack. You know, <laughs> it was like, really? Cause I thought I, no, you're wrong. I'm having, a, I'm having heart issues, you know? And so I first started going to the doctor and, um, I went to d- get different tests and every test was the same thing. No, I mean, yeah, you're probably a little bit on the obese side. You could probably lose some weight. And yeah, this is a panic attack. Your heart's working. And uh, you've got a lot of anxiety problems. And so um, it started making me really read about it, you know, because again, I, I'm the kind of guy who's like, okay, something, something's not working out. I want to understand what's happening in my life. I want to understand what's going on in my mm. soul, you know. I, I want to follow you, Lord. I want to be aware. And so I was reading and just kind of reading different websites and Google searches on anxiety and all that stuff. So I, to answer your question, I think it was really God who just was kind of like, okay, enough. I already gave you Bell's palsy, you know? Uh, so I got Bell's palsy probably about 
a year before that. And um, I talked to the doctor and she said, this is a stress thing. And I said, well, how long do I, how long do I, uh, what should I do? And she said, take a vacation. And I said, for how long? She says, as long as you can. Mm. <laughs> it was like, so my answer to that as a pastor is, okay, I'll take uh, two Sundays off, you know? And then on the third Sunday, I'm leading worship and preaching and I'm clearly not healed yet. Mm. You know, like my, my face is not healed up. The drum sounded like a, a hammer just banging, banging into the side of my brain. It was so awful. And, um, and then after that, my breathing issues just really ramped up and I was really struggling with that. And I still wasn't listening, you know, I was still pushing and still pushing. And, um, and then, you know, I have this panic attack. Mm -hmm. And so, and the panic attack was like, really, it was my body saying no more. And I think God who's sovereign over these moments, he was like, this, this is the time. This is it. This is where I'm, this is, this, uh, you're ready now for me to take you into this. And so it was definitely him. Mm. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't me. I wasn't willing to, I mean, I am a guy who wants to explore things, but, but I'm also a guy who wants to push ahead and fight and fight and fight. And I don't want to admit that I need help. And I'm, and I don't want to admit I'm weak. I don't want to admit I'm tired. And then my body just says, no more, you can't handle it. And God's like, it's time. And boom, hit me, major panic attack. And that was the first of multiple panic attacks I began to have. I had a horrible one in the pulpit. Like I was saying, I had a terrible one at a concert, a Hillsong United concert, a worship concert of all places. And it was, uh, I love going to see them live. And it was, uh, it was awful the whole concert was just terrible. It was a nightmare. And so, um, and, and then I've just had, I had stretches of about six months where it was just about 10 hours a day of just constant panic attack. And that was as I was adjusting the medications and stuff. And it was just a, it was a total, it was really, really, difficult. Right. really, really awful. What would you, would you yeah. suggest to someone who is, Thinking, hey, you know what? I haven't been diagnosed with anything, but a lot of the things that Ryan Sharon, I can relate to those. What would you say to them would be, you know, the steps that they should start taking right now? Yeah. Um, well, I think uh, I think one thing is to really, really be honest about it, you know, and um, find places to be honest about. I think we've been talking about that a lot in this, you know, to really be able to have people to, to lean on and say, okay, this is, this is going on with me. You know, um, the Lord brought a lot of different resources for me through this experience to these last five years. I've had two different therapists through this last five years, plus a spiritual director. And um, so uh, my current therapist has been extremely helpful. My first therapist was really helpful and um, so that is just, especially to have that has been so good for me just to have an environment where I can, like we were talking about, just unload things without judgment. You know, uh, I'm not sacrificing my leadership ability. I'm making, you know, because I'm, because uh, I'm saying this to the wrong person, like this is my therapist, I can say whatever, you know. Um, and I, I think there's a lot we can do to kind of take care of ourselves and um, to be good to ourselves, you know, and uh, whether that's getting right sleep, 
getting good at uh, getting good exercise, um, eating. Like for me, what I eat really messes with my body. Mm. And I'm noticing that. Like when you and I were in college, man, I was putting down probably, you know, 64 ounces of cola for breakfast. You know, like it was no big deal. You know, biscuits and gravy and Coke, you know, and then and I was, it just, that was the beginning of my day. And it was just this constant drip all day long of cola, you know, just put the IV in and here we go, you know. And um, well, I can't do that anymore. Like it really messes with my body. And that's one of the, I guess you could say the gifts of anxieties. It's kind of really tuned me into my body in a way that I've never been tuned before. Where mm. it's just realizing, you know, how much exercise matters and, you know, how much learning to meditate, you know, meditate or prayer meditatively, you know, just learning to breathe well. Um, there's all kinds of resources online. I know we're running out of time here. There's all kinds of resources online for this and uh, different. I, I think I've I've read a ton of stuff on on uh, anxiety and just working through that. Medication has been helpful for me. So, but I would say if you if you're not ready to go down that route, you know, finding finding app. Uh, finding arenas where you can actually be honest about your journey and what's going on and, and then just kind of getting in touch with your fears and, um, and what's happening in your soul. I think those are really important things. And then just kind of having healthy, bringing healthy rhythms into your life. You know, um, I would say that one area that has been very, very important for me has been, um, uh, dealing with the wounds, the deeper wounds, and the messages that I've grown to believe through my wounds. Um, John Eldridge calls them agreements. And um, his ministry uh, through ransomtartministries.com has been massive for me. Uh, it's just been huge. I went to the Wild at Heart Boot Camp this past year, and it's just been really, really um, spectacular uh, to for me to really get into the messages of my soul that drive me and that really push forward my anxiety. And these messages are just built, they're, they're built straight out of my wounds and um, they're a huge part of my anxiety. So for me, anxiety is a, it's the, this road of battling it is a, is a multifaceted road. It's, it's physical. There's a physical component there's a mental, emotional component. There's a spiritual component, you know, because I think we have an enemy who is attacking. And for anybody who's a church planner or pastor, uh, bivocational pastor, like we, we're just naive to think that we, this en- the enemy doesn't want to take us out. You know, that, that's just naive to think that. Um, that's not what we see in the scriptures. We have an enemy who clearly hates us and is clearly devoted to destroying everything uh, the Lord wants to do. And we are people who serve him and build his kingdom. Of course, we are enemy. We are prime, uh, prime for attack. And so, so there's, it's, it's not just one of the, you don't just exercise a lot. It's, it's having all those things in it. It's, it's, it's this multi, um, it's a multifaceted approach. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ryan, I appreciate all the time that you've taken here with us and to, to share everything that you have. Um, it's been it's been great because I think there's a lot of people who are going to hear this who 
need to hear what you have to say. So thank you for being willing to to be that vulnerable and to share that stuff and even, you know, starting it out there on Facebook, which is yeah. you know, kind of crazy because yeah. no one does that. Yeah. Well, you know, if I could just say one thing as we're closing, like um, I have, uh, you know, I'm a pastor and, but I'm passionate about pastors. I love, I love all you guys and um, look me up on Facebook. You got questions you, you need to dump, look me up, ask me to be your friend. I'll be your friend. I will never ask you to buy anything from me or anything else. Um, just, you know, email me any questions you've got. I'm happy to talk with you and, uh, I, I, yeah, happy to listen. So awesome. Do you want to give them your email on the podcast? If you want to go for it. I mean, yeah, you can email me at Ryan. uh, It's R Y A N L O W number four at Gmail. So Ryan low four at Gmail. Or you can look me up on Facebook. Ryan Lowe is, um, is my name. And there's a picture of my kids and I sitting out on the Capilano suspension bridge. That's my profile picture. So um, if you can, uh, or uh, that's actually my cover picture. So, but anyway, if, if, you, if you see me, invite me to be your friend. I, I'm happy to do that. I'm trying to have more friends than my dad. So, um, <laughs> you know, he'll get really jealous. <laughs> I'm kind of kidding about that. So <laughs> cool. Awesome. Well, again, Ryan, thanks so much, man. I appreciate you taking the time and uh, we got to, we got to talk more often. I mean, once every 20 years, it's, it's not enough, man. Yeah, I know. I know. And well, now that I know you're in Orange County, shoot, just give me a reason. Exactly. Well, it's free down here. We're, we're not nearly as in jail as you guys up there. So, and I'm like a mile out of LA County. So, I mean, I'm really close. <laughs> Cool, but man. I could see it. I could, I could hear it in your voice, the freedom that you have. Uh, we yeah. don't have enough, though. One of the things, man, I've definitely gone off the deep end since college. I'm, I am much more of a, uh, of a freedom lover than ever before. In fact, I do another podcast with another uh, pastor out in Ohio. It's called the From Concealment Podcast because we're both uh, gun enthusiasts. And for like the last eight weeks, all we've been talking about is coronavirus and tyranny and just, we need to be free people, free people. I mean, it's, it's actually been quite funny. <laughs> but anyway, man, thanks so much. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Take care. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music